and uh, pronounce your last name, Mark. It's Briody or Briody? Briody. 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 Okay. All right. I was never sure. I'll probably still mess it up again anyway. So. <laughs> Everybody gets it wrong all the time. I know. That's why I, I kept when I was watching a couple interviews earlier and I heard people say like different versions about like, all right, what is it? <laughs> uh, all right, let's get the intro going and we will be on in a second. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Rats. Great intro. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, that is an intro done by a band that's been on the show once before. They are called uh, Frostbite BC. They are from Massachusetts. Very cool band. They're they like a Christmas type band. They, they all have like a different getup. One of the guys is called Mandy, or the bassist. Um, he actually helped me make the animated version of that video. But they're really a bunch of cool guys. And uh, yeah, it's a good song. But uh, today we are joined by Mark. And see, now I forgot it. Bridey, right? <laughs> Brighty, yeah. Brighty, Mark Brighty from the band Jack Panzer. And we're also joined by Ken Pike from the band Absalom. What's up, Ken? Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Hey, Ken. Hey, how you doing? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing real, real good. This was kind of a surprise for me. Yeah, the other the other guys will be joining soon. I'm not sure what they're doing, but you know what? I figured Mark's already here. Ken, you're already here. So let's just start the show and um, we'll talk about the new Jag Panzer album, The Hollowed. Um, but before we get to that, because I want to wait for the other guys, um, you have another album that is it's an older, older album, and it's really never talked about much. Uh, Dissident Alliance. You remember this album, Mark? Oh, yeah, everybody hates it. Everybody hates them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's your feelings on an album? I mean, it's a it's a different album. It's it's kind of like Pantera-ish in a way, I guess. But uh, like, how would you describe it? What are your feelings on on that album? Uh, yeah, the production is terrible. It just it doesn't sound good. I, I think I think there's some quality songs on there, but just the whole presentation of how it sounds is just terrible so uh, it just doesn't leave a good impression yeah did you ever think about going back and like re-recording any of those songs or anything or you're just done with them we did a couple on uh we we did an album called decade of nail spike bat and i think oh, uh, right. i think we redid two of them okay yeah but you're never gonna ever revisit this ever again no <laughs> That bad, huh? What was going on with the band at the time? Because you you got a different singer as well. So what was what was with the band? Different singer, um, different lead guitar player, and uh, you know, like I always say with Jack Panzer, everybody in the band gets an equal share of the writing, the sound. So yeah, it's going to sound different. We change any members, mm-hmm. and we had uh, we had a couple guys in the band who were were hard workers, you know, and they're very cool guys, and they worked hard and they they put their stamp on the music. Yeah. 
Yeah. So what was going on though, like to with uh, with Harry, I guess whatever, and, and some of the guys that left the band to you know for you to get a new vocalist and everything. What was was there like something going on or? Well, Harry had joined Riot a few years earlier, and you know, we grew up huge Riot fans, so we mm-hmm. fully supported that. And then we moved on to another singer, and he left Riot, joined another band. So there was just time periods where there was just no no openings. You know, we're always friends with Harry, but yeah. Yeah, the time to get him back didn't come till a few years after that. Yeah, yeah, no, you and Harry, because you just posted the picture the other day. Uh, you, John, and Harry have known each other since kindergarten. That's insane. Yeah. <laughs> That's a very long time. Me, kindergarten, their first grade. Yeah, because they are they're both older than me. Okay. I like to remind them of that all the time. <laughs> How much older are they? Year older. Oh wow, jeez, yeah, they're old. They're pretty old. <laughs> now were you we did you guys like when you were growing up did you talk about like when did you really actually start talking about starting a band together like did you talk about that like since kindergarten or did that start like later on or uh, i was a little later we were all music fanatics growing up i mean mm-hmm. we used to you know go to john's house and he'd, he'd put the stereo speakers in the window and we just hang out outside and maybe drink some wine that we con someone into buying for kids or sometimes <laughs> we throw the, throw the Frisbee around. We spent a lot of time just hanging out and uh, Harry bought an electric guitar. I think he might've been 14 and I was 13 and he called me up. I got an electric guitar and I went up there and he was playing kiss songs and I couldn't believe how cool it was. Really? Man, so I had to get a guitar. So I, I got a cheap uh, $15 guitar from a pawn shop. And uh, Harry showed me how to play God of Thunder. And uh, it's just sort of snowballed from there. We had a buddy, Rick, that started playing drums. And we needed a bass player. So we just turned to our buddy, John. who was uh, he was a good trombone player. So he knew music. And we just asked him, you want to play bass? And he said, yeah, let's go to the music store and I'll buy a bass. Wow. So that's how it all started. I mean, it was, uh, yeah, probably when I was 15, that all started. And those guys were 16. Wow. Okay, cool. Now, was there anybody in your family like a, a musician or anything or into music? My dad's. My dad was a very good vocalist. Um, my mom was a terrible singer. I mean, she was just a sweet lady, but just had no voice at all. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, not really in my house. Um I, I think Harry's mom sang, um, but yeah, not really big in Harry's and not really big in John's house either. You know, it was really more listening to music. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Kiss is kind of like the, the band that really got you into wanting to play guitar. Um, well, you know, I wasn't as big as John and Harry were like huge Kiss fans, you know, dressing yeah. like them for Halloween. I really? mean, I thought they were okay. I was just excited that that I could play a song that I recognized. I mean, I didn't play it that well, but mm. you could tell it was God of Thunder. I mean, my favorite band was more like Rainbow, but oh, okay. there's no way I, no way I was going to be pulling off any Blackmore parts. <laughs> yeah, no, that's all right. Kiss can't play half of their songs nowadays anyway, so it's all backing tricks. <laughs> <laughs> What do you think about that whole thing that's going on? I mean, there's a lot of bands that use them, and I'm not, I'm not really against it because it, 
sometimes there's things that you can't really perform live you know like say if you've got orchestra stuff in your music and you can't bring an orchestra with you to show so obviously you're going to need some kind of backing tracks but what what's your thoughts on that whole backing track thing um i don't like it if there's an if there's a musician on stage that can play it I mean, um, we use uh, our intros to all of our songs on a backing track because that's just recording. Um, and otherwise, our drummer wears headphones, but more as a timing reference. Mm. We don't really put much tracks in the backing track intros, um, a gong maybe, or like an explosion or maybe some dialogue. But yeah, I, I, I'm not a fan of, you know, putting guitars, vocals, bass, drums, or anything like that in a backing track if you have those musicians up on stage. Yeah, yeah it makes sense. Ken, you want to talk? I don't want to take up all the time here. Oh, that, um, yeah, look, I'm kind of froze or something. You're kind of frozen. Well, we can hear you. Though, so that's fine. As long as you can hear me. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm curious as to uh, going back to when you uh, when you all went to move from Colorado to Southern California, um, did did you guys get into uh, playing the the North Hollywood uh, Sunset Strips scene? Oh, we didn't play anywhere. We didn't have any equipment. I mean, we grew up on in the poorest part of our city. I mean, we didn't have anything. I you know so we went out to California, we had to sell equipment to go out there. So we were out there and literally, we didn't have drums. Uh, we didn't have amps. You know, we really, really had nothing. It was, you know, really poorly planned because we were just stupid and didn't know what we were doing. And so, <laughs> there was no, no gigs out there. Wow. Okay. That was, that, that was curious because uh, I, I kind of messed around on the, on the, the sunset strip, I see North Hollywood scene for quite a few years. And I, I just thought I remember having seen um, Jag Panzer up on, you know, some of the marquees at like the whiskey or um, Gazzari's and places like that. But uh, well, the other, the other question I had real quick is um, when, when you guys uh, started, um, there's definitely um, in your your older material is the new wave of British heavy metal. I, I, I you know, the influence there. Um, but were you guys uh, also influenced with um, like the the symphonic metal, the power metal, like uh, you know bands like Halloween and stuff like that? Because in, in um, this newest one, I hear a lot of symphonic, um, and it's great. It's, uh, I've been I've, I've liked Jack Panzer for a long time, and um, the new one's great. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Our symphonic influences. Um, yeah, I love Halloween, but yeah, they, they. I have to separate what I was influenced by versus what I just love listening to. You know, mm -hmm. and the new wave of heavy new wave of heavy metal is absolute monster influence on me. Um, as far as keys and orchestration, definitely would have to come from Rainbow. You know, I would listen to Rainbow constantly. And, uh, you know, you've got keys and some orchestration and things like Gates of Babylon and uh, Rainbow Eyes. So yeah. we, 
we sort of tried it on our first EP. It wasn't really that good, but like Iron Shadows, we tried like a big choir and uh, the Crucifix has, uh, you know, a string sound, you know, it was just kind of on a cheap synthesizer, but we were, we were trying that early to, to add a little bit of rainbow influence symphony stuff. And I, I think it took us a few albums to, to kind of master that, but master is the wrong word to kind of, you know, get it at least acceptable. No, I did. Yeah, it sounds really, really good. I'm, I'm a traditional uh, heavy metal person and um but i like a lot of the symphonic um metal as well and uh i i like the way it sounds in your your, your guys newest uh newest stuff it's very balanced you know it's still it's still got that um you know the traditional metal um kind of you know, i guess like a little judas priest whatever in there but the symphonic on top of it just um, makes the songs are really dynamic. So, yeah. I know I'm froze. I don't know if I, if you guys see me frozen, so you can't <laughs> nodding. <laughs> I see you going back and forth. You're, 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 yeah, you're, it's going back and forth. <laughs> yeah, there we go. We'll leave it on that. <laughs> okay, great. Um, okay, that, 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 right, right now, that was my, my two questions for now. <laughs> Well, we have uh, Mark Ustervik in the chat, and um, he said he's very excited to see you guys come back to Europe again. And he just saw you this past January. Um, he saw where do you play in Rotterdam? Do you remember playing in the, the show in Rotterdam? Yeah. Yeah. How did that go? Because he actually said he uh, had a talk with you and Ken. Uh, then yeah that was that was a disaster show for me because the amp head blew out so mm -hmm. i had to play with a clean guitar it sounded like a surf guitar but you know <laughs> show must go on so really? yeah it was it's very frustrating for me but it was you know all shows are fun and you get to meet people and hang out so you know it was cool it was just uh yeah a little rough for me <laughs> how, how uh far into the set did that happen Oh, before the set started. Oh, really? Also, oh, you played the whole thing? Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, yeah. I had to play the whole thing. Um, yeah, we don't take backline on tour. We, we have to make touring as, as inexpensive as possible just to right. do it. Yeah. So I only bring one guitar and no amp. So I have to borrow an amp there. And, you know, the club had an amp. And, you know, it was a nice amp. But right when I plugged in, Distortion Channel was out on it. And they... They said they thought that maybe it happened the gig before or something, but yeah, I, I just had to play through the clean channel. Oh wow, <laughs> that that must have been strange. But uh, wow, that, that's that, is that like the worst thing that's ever happened to you guys, or do you have anything else that's uh, happened maybe worse than that? It's happened about three times to me. It happens. Three times. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it happens every tour. I think it'll. I hope it doesn't happen this one coming up next week, but we'll see. <laughs> Otherwise, you're going to have to start writing albums through clean guitar. This way, nobody will notice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <fun>. yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, you did some promo stuff for this album. You you always do like extra stuff because I'm always seeing you on Facebook. You're always posting that you're, you know, this is coming up, that's coming up. And one thing that you did, you released a comic book uh, of the album and and you did this 
because the album is a is a um is a concept album and it's it's in the the view of like the through the animals view in a comic book you did a little bit different it is through like the, mm-hmm. the human the human view so tell me a little bit about like you know the yep. two different ideas tell me about that we had a band chat and it was i mean we were in it every day i mean there was i think it ended up with eight thousand messages in there before we started recording i mean we just had these conferences with band members daily and everybody i noticed everybody was asking harry different parts of the story mm. and i thought well if the band members are interested maybe other people would be and so uh, i suggested we did a comic and and then I saw the price and man, it was, ex- it's expensive to do a comic, but you know, you got to pay for a lot of art and production. And, you know, I, I, um, I like to keep spreadsheets of, you know, what we sell and everything like that. So I had an idea of how many comics we could sell and mm-hmm. it looked like it could be a, a break even process if we sold them all. So right. that, that was good. So yeah. And we're actually pretty close now to selling them all. I think really? we have about under 50 left. Oh wow, cool! Yeah, so people go by because that looks says some of the artwork in there. It's really, really nice artwork. Who did um, who did the artwork? Is it the same guy who did the album stuff, or is it somebody else? Uh, we had a bunch of different artists involved in everything. Um, oh really? Okay. Yeah, I wanted a comic. Yeah, I uh, we really wanted specialty artists for everything. So um, that was I. I had looked at about twenty comic book artists that I like, and you know, some of them were too expensive and. Right. You know that's cool good for them getting paid more but i just i couldn't afford them so i i finally narrowed it down to probably three or four who were within budget but we're still professional comic book artists yeah. and um yeah and his name's e rubio and he actually had the time available he had some uh, clients cancel or something like that so he had the time available mm-hmm. so um yeah i started working with him every day sending notes over and yeah, he was great. He'd get us rough sketches and we'd talk about any changes or, or coloring or the mood of the scene. And yeah, he was just outstanding to work with. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it did come out really cool. And I thought the whole concept too is, is very cool. Cause not too many bands put a lot of effort into their new albums. Usually they just put the album out or throw a box it out and just have some random stuff in it or whatever. But you guys put a lot of thought in it and, and then making a comic book to go along with the album and especially putting it through a different viewpoint is, is, is really a cool idea you know oh thanks yeah we wanted a we wanted a concept that was kind of like the the adventure films we grew up with you know we all grew up with the ray harryhausen movies mm. you know jason the argonauts and clash of the titans and and valley guanji and movies like that you know that that's what we went to the theater as kids all, all through harry john and i and, and so we wanted a kind of a classic adventure story with some monsters and some action and a little different, you know, most metal bands do a political theme and that's cool. But we, you know, we just wanted to do a old school adventure story. Yeah. Yeah. I think you guys stick more with that kind of stuff instead of like the political type stuff. So definitely better sticking with that. Ken, you got some stuff. Um, weird question. Um, how old are you? I'm 60. Okay, so yeah, I'm I'm 62. So we're we're around around the same age. Before, you know, back in the well, that that was still put you around this in the, the mid to late 70s. Um, 
before you got into metal and, and um, what, what were your influences uh, when you, let's say when you first uh, started to learn to play guitar, I know you, you mentioned Kiss, but were there other bands, um, 70s type bands that, that influenced, um, influenced you at that time? Yeah, definitely Jimmy Page. I mean, I, I've, loved, I've loved Led Zeppelin since I was probably about 10 or 11. So definitely Jimmy Page. Um, UFO, uh, but, you know, UFO and Rainbow, that, uh, yeah, is really intimidating for me. You know, Jimmy Page is a great guitar player, but, you know, at least I could play the rhythm to uh, Dazed and Confused or Whole Lot of Love or something. So, yeah. It was playing Zeppelin simple rhythms was a huge influence on me. And, and it uh, took me a few years before I could even think of uh, think of playing anything by Blackmore or, or anything from UFO. It was also a huge influence when uh, Ronnie James Dio joined Black Sabbath. You know, the, mm. the heaven and hell just completely changed everything for me. I just I really worked on learning that whole album on guitar and and i just love listening to it as a fan too and that was just for me groundbreaking albums having in hell mob rules oh are you i i totally agree yeah those are um listening to trying to play the uh, rhythm to a lot of the led zeppelin songs that definitely would make make you uh, as you you progress along a strong rhythm guitarist so um yeah, I was, just, yeah, I was just curious about that. Um, I'm always curious as to what oh. a musician's influence is or was, uh, you know, for um, guys that are around the same age as me. Um, since we listened to, you know, a lot of the same mm-hmm. stuff in the, in the '70s, and especially it, your, mm-hmm. you know, guitar-wise uh, and vocals and stuff. Um, I, I've always found that interesting. So thank you. <laughs> I also grew up, I took lessons at uh, Johnny Smith's studio and Johnny's considered a, a, was considered a jazz great. He was Bing Crosby's guitar player. So I took oh. lessons there from right when I picked up the guitar and it was very strict guitar lessons. I mean, we weren't playing Led Zeppelin riffs and guitar lessons. It was jazz theory, sight reading. I mean, it's really strict curriculum that I wasn't a big fan of as a kid, but I stuck with it. And uh, yeah, it really, really helps me now. I I think I'm a a fairly clean player now uh, because of those lessons. Oh, definitely, you know, jazz. Jazz is is hard, it's hard to play. Yeah, it was. And the, the, the instructors there were, uh, they were hardcore about you playing it correctly. Wow. You're a better man than me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't, I can't, uh, I can't do it. I, I, I learned to play rhythm listening to the Beatles, John Lennon. That's um, where I, I picked up rhythm guitar and the the jazz now. <laughs> oh, back oh, to you. That's great learning from the Beatles. Well, yeah, I mean, you listen, you listen to um, almost any Beatles song, but especially their 
you know, the early stuff up until, I don't know, around 1967 with the Rubber Soul and um, Revolver albums. And you listen to the, you listen to the rhythms and um, especially John Lennon's rhythm, the guitar playing. And some of that stuff is just like, how the heck was he doing this and singing at the same time? And, yeah. you know, in, in entertaining when uh, he's doing these intricate rhythms, you know, changing rhythms two and three times in a song. And, um, and that, that, so that, that's what I wanted to learn. So, um, but I was a big Beatles fanatic anyway. So, <laughs> yeah, the Beatles are awesome. I, I used to love oh, them when Beatles, I was a kid. But, uh, yeah. but uh, I got sick of them for a while. Then all of a sudden, right before my son was born, I'm like, let me go back to that and revisit that because I wanted to get my son into music. And and listening to the Beatles, it's it's very easy to get into that because they're very simple. You know, they're just very catchy and just very easy for a younger kid to get into it. And he did. He he was he was loving it. So that was you know pretty cool to get back into that again. And speaking oh, yeah. of Led, speaking of the Led Zeppelin, I just did a show like two weeks ago, uh, and we did uh, In Through the Outdoor. What do you think of In Through the Outdoor? A lot of a lot of people were like. Um, kind of split on it like they didn't really care for it too much because it is a different album for Led Zeppelin but what do you think of that one Mark? I it, It's you know in the Led Zeppelin realm it's certainly not one of my favorites but I liked it I thought uh, you know Carousel Ombre was cool uh, All My Love I actually mm-hmm. really liked Hot Dog too oh. <laughs> um, In the Evening cool um, not a big fan of Fool in the Rain oh really okay but you yeah. like Hot Dog <laughs> i do I, yeah I, I don't know anybody i'm the only person i know that likes it yeah i think you are <laughs> you know it's a pretty cheesy just straight up you know country rap but yeah, i like yeah. it yeah. yeah it was pretty it's pretty strange but uh yeah it is a I, I like the album actually i think it's a pretty good album especially you know especially in their their the period of time that came out for them too i mean a lot of it sounded like a robert plant solo album basically but um it's still a pretty cool album and, and yeah. it's fine that it's their last album so i was happy with it but to get back since ken sidetracked us <laughs> we'll get back to the new album um, hey. that's all right i'm only joking with you uh you actually um, what's that you know i'm like that yes i know <laughs> i'm good at side- actually actually this, this is a and first time he's actually been on a show i interview- oh uh i he, he saw that i was interviewing you tonight mark and i said you know what you want to come on because i knew one of the guys wasn't coming on i didn't know the whole uh co- co-hosts of mine weren't going to show up tonight so i'm glad ken uh came on and showed up <laughs> uh everybody had another commit uh something i don't know one of the guys got something going on another guy got sick whatever uh but they actually do like the album because they did mention uh they someone did get to listen to it and they do like the new album um you got a new lead you you got a new lead guitarist and ken wrote i don't know how i don't know how to pronounce his last name rodarte Uh, Rodarte, yep uh so and he's actually been in the band for a while because he's been a uh a touring musician with you guys so um now you finally ask him to officially join the band how did how did he obviously he probably wanted to be in the band because he's been with you guys for quite a while now but um like did you have somebody else in mind or did you know you wouldn't use him anyway for the album yeah we wanted to see how his uh, songwriting went um both in two ways both you know we wanted to hear the notes that he put down and uh, we wanted to see how his temperament was because we get pretty ruthless recording we have 
absolutely open opinions to every other member. No one gets offended or mad, but it's it's in your face sometimes. Like that note sucks. You got to get better on that. That right, melody's right. boring. That is lame. Rewrite it. That thing you worked on for three days. No, toss it in the trash. Do better. Right. I mean, right, that's right. the way we've worked forever. And there's no no love loss whatsoever. So we want to see if he can hang with that. Mm-hmm. And he could. Uh, the parts he delivered were great. So I, I was ready to hire him, you know, after he finished two songs. But <laughs> nope, we had one guy in the band that said, no, I want to hear all 10. And yeah. he was dead serious. He did want to hear all 10. And after Ken submitted that 10th song, my phone rang like 20 seconds later. Okay, give him the guy, give him the job. <laughs> yeah. Hey, but he, yeah, he did an awesome job. And uh, I think he's, he'll, he, hopefully he's here to stay because he's, he's a very good uh, lead guitarist. Uh, how come you're not like, are you like not comfortable playing lead guitar or you just like doing rhythm or, or why don't you? Yeah, do I'm just not. I'm just not into it. I, I just, the amount of work you have to put in is just incredible. Although mm-hmm. I did do one on the hallowed. Right. I hadn't done one for 30 years on a record, <laughs> but we were, uh, the last song on the album, I was trying to explain how I wanted the solo to go and, and nobody's getting it. Right. And I say, look, I want like a, a Tiamat sounding solo, like something off of Tiamat's Wild Honey. And I'm just getting blank stares in our morning call. So I just picked up a guitar and say, like this. So that's what's on the record. Yeah. Oh, well, very cool. I'm glad you glad you got on there finally. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, actually, Ken mentioned this. Actually, I'll, I'll go back to you, Ken. Uh, he did mention how he likes the sound of the album. You guys uh, recorded in a studio. The drummer, he wanted to do it in a studio, and he actually got to work with the bassist, too. So tell me about that, because uh, there is a, a very studio sounding uh, sound to the whole album. It doesn't sound very overprocessed like a lot of the bands today sound. And it's very organic sounding. So tell me about that. Yeah, we wanted the sound of a, a real drum kit. I mean, no, no sampled bass drums, no gating the snare, no, none of that. So, you know, we found a great room at you know, Ken Mary studio, great drum room. Uh, we've cranked up the room mics mm. so you're really hearing the sound of Rickard's kit we you know we wanted to record like the way Bonham did you know our, our music's nothing like Led Zeppelin it, but we just appreciated that approach and uh, bass live with drums you know they those two just locked in together and I recorded my rhythm guitar I had my amp was so loud it was literally shaking my windows. I had to tell everybody within a block radius of me, they cut me some slack this weekend. There's going to be some loud guitars. Um, with Harry's vocals, uh, we dialed in a monitoring system exactly what he likes live. So he was approaching it like live vocals. And yeah, so we just, you know, we wanted to use the quality of being in a recording studio, you know, nice microphones and everything. But otherwise, we really wanted a, live type environment anytime my amp feedback i had feedback or squeal i just left it all left it on there so all that's on the record all my amp feeding back and everything because i thought that sounds cool hmm. oh wow 
Yeah, yeah, definitely, because it makes it sound more organic. So, which a lot of bands don't do today. They just pretty much, you know, cut all that feedback out and everything, makes it kind of stale. But uh, no, it's it's. I appreciate hearing all that stuff again because it, it, it. A lot of bands don't. You can't differentiate bands from what from one band from the other nowadays. And and hearing you guys put out an album like this, and it sounds like Jack Panzer, and that you know that's 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 awesome. You know. Um, yeah. Uh, let's see what else do I got here. Um, uh, oh, we also we mixed it analog as well. Oh yes, no, right. uh, no mixing in the computer, so we mixed it analog. Had mm -hmm. a master. I mean, we really try to make it sound a little different than what what most people are doing nowadays in making albums. Yeah, and you you mixed it with the More Sound Studios, and you've been working them with them for a very long time, right? Yeah, for over 20 years, yeah. Jim, Jim's a great guy, and uh, he knows the sound we're going for. He's got a great ear. Um, yeah, so that, that was great. I mean, it was great just hanging out with Jim. He's such a cool guy, but having him mix the album is, is always a treat. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and you get to work hands-on with him too, right? Like you go down there and, and yeah. work on it with him. Okay, cool. Yeah, in the documentary, you see clips of us at the board, but... Yeah, we really weren't at the board. <laughs> Jim let us go in front of it just, <laughs> just for some video. Hey, <laughs> it's pretty cool. Um, so did you actually, did you get to see uh, uh, Ken Mary at the at his studio or he wasn't there? No, he was there. He, oh, he, he, uh, he engineered the drums and bass. He was great. I really? mean, he's, he's a talented guy. And yeah, he, he kept the... Uh, the sessions moving along. I mean, he got us a great sound on the headphones oh, and yeah. the, the and the control room, you know, because our bass player was in the control room. So yeah, Ken Ken dialed all that in in like 20 minutes for everything, drum sounds and bass and everything. So it was it was great. I mean, yeah, he's he's a skilled guy. Oh yeah. I, I really actually just got into his uh, other band, the Fifth Angel band. And um and I really didn't know right. about that until uh, he joined um uh Flatsman Jetsum. And I'm like, who's the new drummer or whatever? Yep. And I like go back and, and find out he's from that band. And that band's awesome, man. I didn't I didn't realize how good they were. And they're from the 80s. Yeah. And uh, yeah, those are good. I gotta mm -hmm. get the new album. But uh, he's he's an awesome drummer. I did not expect to hear him drumming the way he does, especially on those Flotsam and Jetsam albums. He's like going off crazy on those albums. Yeah, he's outstanding, world class drummer. Yeah, definitely. Ken, you got anything else? I don't know. You've kind of covered the. <laughs> <laughs> everything um i what uh in the past uh yeah i you were talking about touring and in that where where are some of the places um venues and stuff that you guys have played through the years yeah that's a question huh <laughs> yeah oh we played um oh i think one of my favorites was the rainbow music hall it's 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 a Walgreens now, unfortunately, but it was the <laughs> classic Denver venue. I mean, U2 played there. I mean, everybody from U2 to Judas Priest to A Merciful Fate. I mean, it was just a great theater venue in Denver. It had phenomenal sound, great line of sight, great light show, incredible crew. I mean, it was, there were shows going on there you know, four and five nights a week for years. I mean, it was one of the coolest small venues around. So 
we got to play there about three times and that was awesome uh playing the festivals in europe is always really cool you know keep it true i love that so much that i, I feel so at home at that festival uh played vakken a couple times that's that's the show you dream about when you're like a kid in front of a big audience and yeah. we've got we got it coming up again in a few weeks so i'm getting oh, excited wow. we've got headbangers open air in germany which is the classic you know a classic german metal festival we're playing uh, alcatraz another giant festival in belgium um we played a lot of classic venues played the trocadero in philadelphia um played in times square uh played the key club in la that was fun Actually, oh, Times Square was the first time I saw you guys. You, I played at the. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, WWE or BB yes, Kings yep. or the WWE theater. Yep. Yeah. Which is which is now gone, but uh, yeah, I remember that show. Yep. That was uh, Ice Earth and in, in Flames, I think. Right. I don't know if you remember. Yeah. yeah. And we played. Uh, we played in Sofia, Bulgaria, to like seven people. <laughs> and it was, it was really cool because when we went outside after the gig, there was like 400 people outside. And I didn't realize that was a private party we were playing. Oh, wow. But, uh, but it was really cool. I mean, the seven people were great. I mean, it was just a really, it was a fun gig. And, and Bulgaria was, was so different. It, it was just made a big impression on me. And so I liked the gig anyway. And then to go outside and just have all these people that we're listening from outside. I mean, that was pretty cool. That's yeah. wild. Yeah, that's <laughs> <not> crazy. <laughs> no, but enough. Can you there? Yeah, I'm still here. Uh, yeah, that was. I wasn't sure. That was my other sidetrack question. <laughs> I don't know what this connection is terrible, and I might my thing keeps going off. I keep freezing. You keep freezing. This usually never happens this often, but uh, whatever happens, yeah, and it keeps it keeps freezing in such a way. I'm looking. Yeah, you're cutting out. And yeah. and it it's either I look like I have a surprise look on my face, yeah. or I look evil, like <laughs> something. <I'm> really, not... <laughs> it works though. Maybe I'll keep it, and you can use it for the next album. Oh, well, now we're done. All right. All right. <laughs> Um, what's uh, with this new album, The Hallowed? Uh, is there I mean, like mimic a, a freeze? <laughs> there you go. Hey, just stay like that. And I actually, I think you froze. <laughs> no, now it actually froze. <laughs> uh, I love internet, it's so cool. We're all the freezing. What is uh, Mark Ustavik is going crazy in the chat here. Uh, Netherlands, August 11th. Like, is that the show you're playing at, Mark? I don't know. Uh, Mike Warren, he says, harder, harder than steel. And uh, Mark, Gwen and me will be there in, uh, I guess, the Netherlands or wherever. All right. Um, for, the, for the Hallowed, uh, is, do you have, like, a favorite song off of here or anything? Or favorite, uh, favorite, uh, any anything yeah. favorite about the album? I, I missed about half the first half of what you were saying. Oh, I'm sorry. With the new album, uh, is there? Do you have like a favorite song or anything like that you really enjoyed about recording the album? 
Yeah, I, I like the last song, Last Rites, because we were, uh, man, we were arguing about that song for like three weeks. I mean, we just, everybody, nobody liked it. <laughs> you know, if really? I liked that part, and then someone else liked another part, and then someone else liked a different part. So we we kept rearranging it, rearranging it, changing parts and adding parts for three weeks on that song until everybody liked it. And I think it came out great. So I just... Yeah. I really love that song. I like Pray too because it's like so much fun to practice. We're doing that on the next tour coming up. Mm -hmm. And that's really, really, really fun to practice. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of really catchy stuff on this album. And, and I think it's really one of the, the, the best uh, Jack Panzer albums. I mean, every, I like every, pretty much every album except for uh, this one, just Dissident Alliance. <laughs> but that's, there's some cool songs on there anyway. <laughs> uh but yeah it's it's an awesome album and everybody needs to check it out and um i mean and, and this album too this album is where pretty much it all started everybody talks about this album um what can you talk about with this album uh ample destruction because every time somebody talks about jag panzer they always bring up ample destruction and, and how do you feel about ample destruction oh okay. oh before i answer that let me give a, a shout out to marco you mentioned him a few times He's uh, one of the admins on Jack Panzer Brigade page. So thank you, Mark, for everything you do. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, the thing about, you know, I'm very proud of Ample. I think it's a great record, but it, uh, it, it's, it gets a little bit annoying that people forget that it was not liked out of the gate. So that means we didn't get a tour. We didn't get Headbangers Ball. We didn't get... Uh, you know, there was no no bonus back then, no no fan base from it. I mean, you know, we had to work it, you know, for years. You know, we were still, it was already out. We were still sending out tapes, just trying to get people to listen to it. We couldn't get a European record deal. I sent it to every label that I could find in Europe, and all of them, all of it refused it. All of them refused it. Um, mm. So yeah, it was it was a rough beginning for Apple, but. I think it's a good record and I'm very proud of it. Um, a lot of people sometimes ask, you know, will you do another all ample set again? Mm. Yeah. I really don't want to do that. I, I like to move, move forward. You know, we, yeah. We've done it before for a couple promoters who are very close friends of ours, but yeah, I, I really not into doing an all ample set live. Yeah. Yeah. I totally understand. I like to move forward and, and, you know, the new stuff you're putting out, it's, it's completely different from this album anyway, too. So, but uh, just everybody just, just loves this album. What was the idea? Cause this is like a, like a long box type thing and it's got all this, uh, you know, it shows all like the different versions of the album and stuff like that. Whose idea was this to put this together? Was this yours or was this uh, HR records idea? Oh, for, uh, yeah, Ample, they, um, you know, it keeps selling. You know, we, we signed right. a deal with, uh, with HR years ago, and they did a wonderful job with it. And um, anytime people would write and ask me, you know, about this version or something different, I said, you know, just write High Roller. Mm -hmm. So High Roller's just, you know, they're trying to fill the market, you know. And, and for me, it's really about, uh, you know, keeping the music alive. Yeah. You know, we have right now, um, everything we've ever done is back in print except for Distant Alliance. So mm. that's, that's important to me is having everything in print. Um, the different versions and everything High Roller does. I mean, 
you know, that's cool. I like them. I put them on my wall, but for me, it's really about just keeping the music accessible. So someone can always buy a copy of ample destruction. Yeah. And there's been so many different album covers too. Which is your favorite? Is this, is that your favorite album cover or was there another one that somebody's used over the years? No, I always liked the original and the whole band always advocated for only the original. I mean, we were very dug our heels in that only the original, but we lost a lot of battles back then. um, In the industry, it was pretty much a standard that you did a new cover on a reissue. Mm. So uh, we lost a lot of battles with record companies on that because we were very much uh, of the thought that it should only have the original cover. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think so too. I like that one too the most. Um, actually, we got one question. How hard uh, was the recording process for the first? Did you get that? Because my my thing froze again. No, I didn't get it. Oh, sorry. He said, uh, okay. "This is Mark Warney. How hard was the recording process for the first album for Ample Destruction?" <laughs> yeah it was interesting because we recorded it in the winter and the studio was heated by a wood-burning stove oh. so we had to sometimes <laughs> kind of throw a blanket or try to keep the stove quiet but also for some idiotic reason i can't explain we had whoever was recording that day had to gather and chop the wood for the stove so it was <laughs> like you know i'd go in oh, i got to do rhythm guitars oh first i have to chop wood I mean, it makes no sense. <laughs> that's what we did. Um, yeah, it was, we had little time. I mean, the engineer, Tom, was great. I mean, everything was was cool, but we had very little time. So we ended up mixing the album. You know, it's like two and a half hours to mix it, right. which was crazy. And then when Metal Blade did the reissue, they paid for us to do a proper proper mix and it was the exact same studio same studio same board same tape machine same engineer so (laughs) i I hear you know a lot of people complain you know why did you remix a classic well you know the classic was mixed in two hours that was ridiculous you know the last couple songs on the record we were just running it through with no no mixing really at all so uh yeah for me I, i don't look at it as changing a classic I, I just look at it as giving it the proper mix that we would have done if we had the budget on the original recording session so we really didn't i think the only thing we changed we changed the string part in the crucifix in the beginning to a better sounding string mm. that's it otherwise saying everything studio engineer everything we just had twice as long to mix yeah all right cool um it's funny i back in the day there used to be um this uh, flea marketplace and they had uh there was a guy in the in the back corner and he used to sell all these bootlegs and stuff like that and i just started getting into music it was like 90 91 ish and uh i brought up a, a pearl jam um a bootleg or whatever so i go home listen to the bootleg and at the end of the tape there is this song and it's this guy screaming I couldn't tell what he was singing, but it ended up being Battle Zones. And I, I finally figured it out. I was on a message board. <laughs> and I'm like, what is this song? Because I only have the end of it. And everybody, as soon as I put it on it, everybody knew exactly what it was. 
but I, I I just wondered for years and years and years who the hell was that band? And it was just funny they were on you guys were on the end of a <laughs> uh, a Pearl Jam bootleg. <laughs> that is funny. <laughs> or out of all the bands to be on, it's a, a Pearl Jam bootleg. Um, Mark Mark yeah. says uh, Ample Destruction is classic, and he says you're welcome, and it says it's his pleasure to be the admin for the page. And uh, oh, and he said you guys ordered some pizza. <laughs> <laughs> oh man right. we order we order pizza all the time as a band i mean you know the big joke in the band is that i can eat pizza for breakfast lunch and dinner and that's <laughs> probably true we were we did a gig in greece a few years ago with a wonderful promoter and we were supposed to get a pizza and we get over there and uh he said that uh you know hey we're going out for a nice you know like six course meal at a nice restaurant and i was kind of punchy from a long flight and no sleep and i'm like like hell i want my pizza yeah. and the rest of the band's going like chill out mark we're gonna get this big meal and i'm like no i want a pizza i've been thinking about the pizza my whole flight so yeah i just you know stopped my feet and acted like a four-year-old but i did get my pizza you are a pizza guy you're always posting about pizza i love facebook pizza. Where, yeah, what's where's you, where's you been your favorite pizza so far i like and you know there, there's some great pizza. you know there's great pizzas in chicago and mm. you know new york and in uh, naples italy and um you know so there, there's world-class pizza in all those places i like a place here in colorado it's about an hour from me called do drop in they have a crust that slightly tastes like you would make cinnamon rolls out of it i mean it's just got a hint of sweetness. It's got a great flavor. And they have a tangy sauce that really complements that crust. And they use the highest quality mozzarella possible. It's a good pizza. It's not cheap. It's probably about 30 bucks for a pizza, but you know, they weigh about eight pounds. And oh, wow. uh, yeah, four four wow. adult men can uh, can eat one of their large pizzas. It's delicious. They're, it's their family recipe. Um, just it's in a smaller town here in Colorado. It's wonderful. I love it. And now I want it. I haven't been there for six months. <laughs> Thank you. you ever think about opening up your own pizza shop? Yeah, I, I don't have the time. I mean, that, <laughs> would, that would be fun. I know I, I, we used to joke in the band that I should open a pizza place called Evil Pizza. With the uh, <laughs> Deliver us from evil slogan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and then they said, come on, you can call your buddy Bill and you can get the Warlord rights to do uh, the Warlord song. And I'm like, no, that's, that's not going to happen. <laughs> I love Warlord. So, yeah. uh, you know, the deliver us from evil. Yeah. Very corny. Book. <laughs> it is, but hey, it would work. I think it would. I, it, there needs to be like a heavy metal pizza uh, restaurant or whatever. That'd be awesome. There's always hamburger pizza, you know, heavy yeah, metal hamburger pizza there places. Yeah, there is one. There's a, there's a, yeah, there's a bunch of burger places. I don't know if there's a uh, heavy metal pizza place. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, I think you might have to start that. <laughs> and I see you got guitars behind you. You got a, a Flying V. Uh, at least you got like half of a Flying V, it looks like, behind you. What's your favorite guitar that you use? Oh, yeah, that's, that a, flying that's, a about that's a full one. That's a full one. I didn't see the end. It costs about 80 bucks. It's just a wall hanger. I want to say, <laughs> yeah, I, I used to have a Dean V up there and it was a great guitar, but um, yeah, Dean, 
unceremoniously dropped me off the roster um, for no reason and then just quit returning my calls, which is completely bizarre because I had been endorsing them for 10 years and appeared in the catalog and then it just ended. So uh, I I didn't want any Dean thing in my house anymore. So I replaced it with just a cheap $80 V from, uh, from Amazon. That Les Paul behind me is a, from the Gibson Mod Shop. I mean, it is a, a beautiful guitar. I just don't play it, though. I'm probably going to get rid of it. Mm. I, um, For some reason, I don't like to have guitars that I don't play. Um, I have an orange Les Paul standard that I used a little bit on the record, and I use my ESPs on the record. So, And I use my Tele always on every Jack Panzer record, always has a Telecaster on it. Mm. So I'm cool with keeping those, but... Yeah, I think the the blue Les Paul there's going to be on the chopping block soon. Yeah, uh, is there a guitar you're going to take with you on tour? Yeah, you know, I, I'm breaking my own advice. I always took cheaper guitars on tour because they can get beat up and lost. Right. But you know, we're being filmed at Vakken or in Headbangers Open Air, so yeah, I'm going to break my own rules and take uh, take my ESP custom shop with me. Oh, well, good luck. Yeah, I know. I'm going to be <laughs> watching that thing like a hawk. But the cheaper guitars I take on tour, you know, I just toss them around. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, it gets yeah. Crashed, but yeah, so I don't know. I just, you know, I, I really want to play my best guitar at, at all these cool gigs. Yeah. I uh, actually have another thing in the chat here. Cheeto uh, just came to say, hope you play Shadow Thief in Milwaukee. I've seen you guys in San Diego and Chicago have both set lists, but no shadow thief. Okay. You can count on shadow thief then. I'm personally guaranteeing it. You got it. We'll hear it. Very cool. Very cool. When is the the Milwaukee show? It's in Madison. So yeah, everybody in my band's calling it Milwaukee too. Hmm. I mean, I got, uh, I got emails today. Hey, here's some flights to Milwaukee. And I said, I hope you didn't book to Milwaukee. Because it's in Madison that the flights were correct. <laughs> but I don't know why. I mean, they're completely different cities. Uh, hmm. But yeah, I hear it every day in our band chat. Hey, looking forward to Milwaukee. And I'm like, what's going on in Milwaukee? Is it the no. Milwaukee is it the Milwaukee Metal Fest? Is that maybe why? Well, we played that before and that was really cool. I mean, we had, yeah. we had, we had a great time at Milwaukee Metal Fest, but this is Blades of Steel at Madison. Oh. And hmm. uh, our buddy well, Randy's a promoter. He's a great guy and a great promoter. And, you know, rides playing and flotsam and jets. I mean, it's just going to be a cool gig. All right, cool. So don't go to Milwaukee. It won't be in Milwaukee. It'll be Madison. Yeah, don't go to Milwaukee. Go to Madison, where we will play <laughs> Shadow Thief. <laughs> very cool. That's awesome. You just made him ha- uh, very happy. Um, and when is that? Uh, I think it's September it's September 27th or 28th. It's that the last Friday in September. Okay. Uh, and Mike yeah, Warney. Wants- Very cool. Mike Warney wants to know what happened with John Schaefer. Uh, in regards to what? I have He's no idea. Give me more information. I have no idea. Maybe <laughs> wrong band. <laughs> I don't know. Did you ever deal yeah, with John I mean, Schaefer I- for anything? Well, I, I worked I, I worked on the video for, for Glorious Burden, but that's it. You know, I, I don't really didn't really keep in touch with John. I mean, we had a, a great time working together. We toured a couple of times, but uh, 
yeah, I, I would only talk to John, uh, you know, when we do a gig with him or something, mm. you know, and then we'd exchange nice words. I mean, we always got along really well. Well, yeah, I don't know what he meant by that. Maybe he'll write in a minute. Uh, and then last thing, uh, you actually, you guys just signed to Atomic um, Atomic Fire Records, right? Yeah. So, uh, and that that's, that's a, a like a subsidiary of like Nuclear Blast, I think, right? Well, it used to be Nuclear Blast. The, the, the everybody that started Nuclear Blast is at Atomic. Is Fire. that Atomic? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So they had sold Nuclear Blast. Yeah, with somebody. So then they started Atomic Fire. Yeah, we actually finished the Hallowed without a label. We just we'd never done that. Everything else we've ever recorded, we've had a label. So we thought, let's try it. You know, without a label, and it was great. I mean, there's no. Uh, it's weird when a label gives you a budget because I'm mm. like really good at sticking to budgets. Yeah. So I'd be like, we got to get this done. We got so on. On the Hallowed, we didn't have a budget. You know, it was just whatever we need. So it was very liberating. And uh, there was nobody that was asking for, oh, let's hear what's going on so far. Nobody asking for that. So it was a very relaxed, very cool atmosphere. And so we finished the album. Um, we have a business manager that shopped uh, the album. I think we, we went to 10 labels and we got interest from nine of them. Mm. Um, some of them bowed out right away because, uh, yeah, they were, were really cool labels, but they, they couldn't meet what we were asking for the record. Um, so it came down to three labels and uh, they're all, all good labels, but we remembered that staff from Atomic Fire when they were in Nuclear Blast, we were on tour with Hammerfall and the promotion was just outstanding. I just, we couldn't believe how good they were promoting Hammerfall on Glory mm. to the Brave. So that prompt us to uh to sign with atomic fire yeah and the, their promotion on the house has been incredible yeah. um we as a band we always wanted to kind of do our own promotion thing and that's really frowned upon in the industry hmm. but we thought we would ask atomic fire you know and they said no oh, no go ahead so we did our own postcard thing and our audio card and did our own our own smaller promotion thing in in conjunction with them and I think that worked out really well. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, I see. They, I get emails from them all the time with all the new bands. But yeah, that's they keep up with everything, and it's they're doing really good right now. Uh, Ken, you got anything else? Uh, well, yeah, I got another off, just one more off the wall question. Um, uh, with uh, playing live, um. And I, I guess I'm just asking this question from my own personal experience. But um, do you prefer outdoor concerts or indoor concerts? Performing live out, outdoors or indoors? I think I'm the only one in the band that loves outdoor shows. I, uh, I don't do well in the heat. I mean, I live up near the mountains in Colorado, so it's it's uh, really hot up here. It's like not so. I like the coolness of playing outside, you know, because we're we're not doing outside gigs in, in Arizona or any place like that. So the places we're doing outside gigs, it's usually you know a little bit cooler, maybe upper seventies or lower eighties, nice breeze going on. I I prefer that, but I think my bandmates would all would all tell you indoors indoors shows. Mm. Yep, same here. 
it, it outdoor I, as a vocalist I, I hate i hated doing outdoor shows it played hell with my boys so that's it that's it all right yeah uh, i can imagine oh yeah it, it would be weird with the vocalists with all the weird delays you get outdoors that would be tough yeah, yeah. well it's, it's that and then um i just always found that outdoor concerts you know two three four songs in my my, my throat is just drying out like i'm drinking water like a fish and then you know a few more songs in and i gotta go to the bathroom <laughs> <laughs> it it just wasn't a whole lot of fun although those were some i think probably the, the most enjoyable shows for performing was outdoors the stage tended to be bigger but um yeah i'm an indoor guy all right cool uh, i like outdoors that you can see the whole audience you know indoors see the first few rows and outdoors you know you see the musicians in the back with their arms folded shaking their head no and i kind of <laughs> like that <laughs> that's true <laughs> and there was one thing i did forget to ask um i think it was with the last album um there was a thing where i think harry said he was he quit the band what what happened with that yeah that was a couple albums back um yeah, I guess that was about 12 years ago or yeah, there was just um, we didn't have an agent at the time and there was just no way to move forward. I mean, there was no mm -hmm. gigs, um, no way to move forward. And it was it was getting so frustrating for everybody. Mm -hmm. I mean, we you know, there was there was no record deal at the time, no agent, no anybody. And there it was just nothing to do. We were, we were living in different parts of the country and there was just no moving forward. So, you know, I, I didn't blame him at all. I mean, he had a lot of different opportunities. So, you know, he's, he's my friend first and then band right, members. Right. Okay. So, yeah. you know, as his friend, you know, if he had other opportunities, you know, take them. Yeah. Okay. I thought maybe I had something cause he's, he's doing so many things, man. He's doing that thing, the three tremors thing now with uh, Sean Peck and, and, uh, uh, Ripper Owens and he's always doing stuff man but he's he's all over the place but I thought maybe it had something to do with like conflicting stuff but uh yeah I, I totally get that uh, what do you no, think of the uh... he's always good about uh, he's always good about anything Jack Panzer needs to do he'll make it work so yeah. I mean he's always he's always great about that and you know everybody in the band we we all have very different views on doing other projects you know we got some guys that uh, will do a lot of different things and you know harry's one of them and and, and then we got some of us myself i just i i only want to do jag pans or i don't uh, have any desire to do anything yeah. else I, i've tried uh just jamming with guys for fun and uh they're, they're cool guys and good players but it was just very frustrating for me because i just have a specific way i want things done yeah um yeah i i don't like uh you know getting a song 80 percent there and saying you know we're done and it, yeah. it's just not not fun for me and and that's no slam on the guys i was playing with because they were having fun and it was just a you know fun guys jamming but mm. i think i'm a little too serious and not fun for that <laughs> <laughs> but hey you know you got you've been doing this since uh when you have long like 81 80 80 yeah. early 80s right so 
you know, you, yeah. you know what you're doing and you know what sound you want. So, uh, you know, of course you're going to be like that. You know, you want to put out a good product. You don't want to put something with your name on it. and sounds like shit in the end. So, yeah, I totally get it. And uh, definitely this album does not sound like shit. It is a really great album, The Hollowed. And you need to go out and go get it uh, right now. Go listen to it on Spotify if you can't buy the CDs but uh, or the record. But uh, however you want to listen to it, just go listen to it. Uh, Mark had a lot of fun with you on the show i'm glad to get you finally get you on here because i've been oh this was awesome yeah i've been wanting you to to come on this show for a very long time so i'm glad that uh, this album finally came out we got to talk about it and and some more stuff uh anything else you want to talk about no just uh yeah excited to hit the road next week very cool and when when is that first show coming when is the first show uh i think it's a week from saturday Oh, wow. That early, right? Where is that at? That's in uh, somewhere in Germany. I um, am not good at my my European geography. <laughs> Maybe so Mark, somewhere, Mark will Somewhere say. in Germany is the best. <laughs> it's well, Headbangers Open Air, and we have, we've never played it, but people tell me it's a fantastic show, and so I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. All right, very cool. So hopefully everybody will go check that out, whoever's in Germany. And uh, thanks everybody in the chat. I uh, very much enjoyed you uh, guys joining in. And again, thank you very much, Mark. And Ken, thank you for joining us. Oh, a lot I, of fun. Yeah, even, thanks, though Ken. even though you got thanks. stuck, stuck uh, sticking your tongue out at us. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I just stopped looking at my the upper corner here because I'm I'm embarrassing myself. <laughs> 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 But I, I still enjoyed it, and it was really nice to, to meet you. And I, I, I agree with Wayne. Um, I, I really like the new album. So, thank you. Oh, Cheeto has a question before we leave here. Uh, he knows Joey was very much into the shred guitar scene. Uh, he wants to know about you. What blew your mind in the eighties? Um. Yeah, I, I wasn't into the shred scene. I mean, I had a definite appreciation for the skill. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a guy like Joey's just a monster player. I mean, he's he's great on record. But if you spend time with Joey, he's just record doesn't even capture what he does. He's a great player. Mm-hmm. I, I was really the thing that blew my mind was just the whole new wave of British heavy metal scene. You know, like I, I heard the Angel Witch self-titled album oh, yeah. and it was just phenomenal. And it was it was cool. And then uh, I bought uh, Witch Find Stage Fright out, which was was brilliant. Um, yeah, those those records changed my life because before I heard the new wave of British heavy metal, all I had was what was on the radio here in Colorado. And it was stuff with very high budgets, very expensive photo sessions, good looking guys. I mean, it was just things that I was not. And in the neighborhood we grew up in, I mean, there's no way we could even get a nice photo session or, or anything. So the new wave of British heavy metal, it's like, I was like, oh man, these guys aren't focusing on image. They're not, they don't have giant stage shows. Mm. I don't see like huge production photos. I just hear cool music. So it was, it moved me so much that there was a heavy metal scene that just involved around the quality of the music. I mean, I thought that was incredible and I couldn't get enough of it. The store that sold the uh, new wave of British heavy metal albums was about 
an hour, 10 minute drive for me. It was up in Denver. And uh, yeah, me and John or Harry or all of us, we would go up there every two weeks, right? When we got money just to buy a vinyl or, you know, sometimes just buy a fanzine or maybe just a button. I mean, that whole scene was just, it was so cool. I, I it, never even dreamed that there could be a music scene as cool as the new wave of British heavy metal scene. Yeah, that's all. I wish one of my co-hosts was on because he loves new way for British heavy metal. That's he's that's like his favorite thing too. He'd probably talk you uh, talk about that for hours. Uh, is there any new bands that you really like? Um, yeah, we have a band. Uh, you know, there's there's so many new metal bands with really young guys in their twenties. Yeah. Um, there's a Blind Oath out of Tulsa, which are great. There's Chamber Mage out of my hometown of Colorado Springs. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I'm really excited about, uh, you know, these new bands. And it's funny, we have a, uh, a Megadeth tribute band that's uh, fronted by a woman here who's a great guitar player. And, and she sings. I mean, I've seen them like six times. I mean, really? they go, every time they play, they're just phenomenal. Uh, they're called Cryptic Writings. I, I love live music so and it, it's cool seeing these uh these bands pick up around me there's a, a hard rock band in town called dirty kings that are phenomenal mm. i mean it's just they remind me a little bit of like uh the angels or angel city you know the band from uh, from australia okay mm. uh, yeah yeah dirty kings are great i've seen them you know probably five or six times so yeah, lots of cool, new, uh, exciting young bands around me. Very cool, very cool. Uh, and Mark says there's, they have tons of pizza in uh, the Headbangers open air, so you should be fine. Oh, <laughs> man. Uh, I didn't think I could get any more excited about the gig. <laughs> now we can't <laughs> wait to get there. <laughs> uh, and, all right. So thank you very much, Mark, again, for coming on the show. And I just want to tell everybody, thank you very much for getting to us to 1,000 subscribers on YouTube. And, uh, yeah, finally, finally. Now we can, uh, I don't know what we can do now. But the winner actually got some cool prizes. They got the Severed Angel CD that just came out in May. They got my awesome. other band, my other band, Project Resurrect. They got that album. And they also got, and I don't have it on me, but they also got a Def Leppard tribute album that... Um, Rats Out of You and Friends was on. Uh, we did a Def Leppard song. I can't remember what the song it is, but we're on that. So you're going to get that and a bunch of stickers. And actually, um, I think it's the guitar player from the band Clay Morian. He actually was the thousand subscriber. So he's getting all that. And you'll get it soon. I just don't, maybe Friday or something, I'll send it out, but you're going to get it. Uh, Clay, so, Clay Morian's a great band. Oh yeah. my God. Yeah. Yep. And then to know they're, they're subscribed to my channel. Are you subscribed to my channel, Mark? No, I, I don't know if I'm subscribed <laughs> to any. I need to start doing that. You're going to have to start subscribing to people's channels, especially mine. Well, I, I just grew up in this mindset in my neighborhood. Don't subscribe to anything. Don't subscribe <laughs> to anything. It was well, just, I, I don't know why they, that was just the vibe in the neighborhood growing up because people are always going to door to door. Hey, would you like to buy a subscription to popular mechanics? So, <laughs> so, there's this whole, like, don't, so it's just been, in, so yeah, I don't think I'm subscribed to anything. Like I watch YouTube every day, like not even signed in. I don't even think yeah, I, yeah. so maybe I need to start subscribing. Because, You're going to have to, it's free. It, yeah. it doesn't cost you anything. It does. Uh, it, it, 
and it sucks on YouTube because I'll watch things for about two months, unsubscribe, and then it'll just clear everything out. <laughs> and then I'll, I'll, I'll go one morning and go, okay, let me see some of my guitar videos. Wait, how to crochet a pan holder? What? I don't want this. Yeah, you got to get a sign in for that. You know, <laughs> fantasy, league, fantasy League lacrosse tips. And, uh, you know, mating cycles of hippos and, and i'm just like wait wait all my guitar videos are gone so uh, yeah i guess i need to subscribe to, you need uh, to subscribe to yeah when you got to sign in and it'll, it'll keep all that stuff so <laughs> that's okay again thank you very much for coming on the show mark we had a lot of fun and like i said please go out and go listen to the hollowed by jack panzer you'll love it and everybody in chat thank you subscribe to you uh, our youtube channel rats out review uh go to ratsalview.com ken where can we go to hear absalon um he doesn't even know you're terrible i think you asked me this question when i I did and you didn't answer it then either (laughs) uh, uh, yeah but we got a website you know right off the top i'm I'm good at promoting the band um you're real good you could go to uh slip trick records um, no, don't go to Slip Trick Records. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're still there. Eh. For, that's another story. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, you know, getting working on getting ready for the next one. So yeah. just search for Absalon and uh, it did jagpanzer.com I think is the website. Yeah. Jack. Yeah. So everyone go jagpanzer.com and then we will see you guys next week. Uh, somebody's on next week. Oh, I think, um, what is next week's date? I don't know. Somebody's on next week. Hold on. Uh, I was prepared for that. Uh, <laughs> oh, Lance Lopez. A lot of people probably don't know who that is. But he will be on next week. Oh, no, he won't be. Next week is the 26th. Never mind. Um, no, next week is Carl Kennedy. That's right. I don't even know what I'm doing. Oh, from the rods. From the rods. Yes, he will be on next week. He's one of, uh, I used to write musicians' letters all the time when I was like 15 and 16. Oh, yeah. And he was one of the, him and uh, Chris Von Rock for Crocus are the only two that ever wrote me back. Oh, really? So That's cool. I huh. never, forget, never forgot that, Carl. Mr. Kennedy, thank you very much. Well, you, well, uh, you helped a young kid with your answers. <laughs> very cool. Well, if you well, want to come on next week and talk to him about it, you can. I'll be on tour. Well, oh, you'll be on tour. Yeah. Yeah. Oh well. I'll I'll tell him. I'll tell him for you. Okay. <laughs> He's a very cool guy, though. Very talkative. He was on, actually on a show uh, not too long ago. Uh, we did like a two-hour show with him because he just talk, talk, talk. But he was cool. He's, he talked. He's done a lot of stuff. So you know, he had a lot to talk about. So very cool. All right, everybody. See you then. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye. Later. All right.